Hello and welcome to this week's European Conversations podcast, jointly published by the European Movement in Scotland and the Scottish Centre on European Relations. I'm Kirsty Hughes and this week I'm in conversation with leading British historian David Edgerton. David is Professor at King's College London and has spent much of the recent years rethinking the history of 20th century Britain. His latest book is The Rise and Fall of the British Nation. David, thank you very much for joining me for this European Conversations podcast today. Can we start with talking a bit about Brexit? A lot of people suggest that the UK was never really happy, it never really fitted in the European Union, and yet I talk to a lot of people across the EU member states who, who talk to me about all the positive alliances they had with the UK across a huge range of topics from security to free markets to accession of new member states. And yet the Tories and the Brexiters seem to have got away with talking about, is it British exceptionalism of sort of persuading not just enough of the public, but a big chunk of the media, that, that we were never right, that we never were Europeans? Yes, absolutely. It's, a, it's an extraordinary phenomenon, uh, this one, this, this idea that the UK is fundamentally different from continental Europe, um, that it's maritime, it's, uh, it's free trading, it's, uh, it's global, as opposed to protectionist and uh, national. And it's actually not just uh, a, a view held by Brexiters, it's also a view held by Remainers, because Remainers want to explain two things. One, what they take to be uh, the late accession uh, to, the, uh, to, the, to the EEC, uh, reluctant membership, and now, of course, uh, Brexit. So there's a consensus um, that the, the UK uh, has historically been and has remained essentially non-European. I, I think that's, that's, that's fundamentally wrong. Um, I mean, first, because things have changed radically over time. And secondly, because the integration with, uh, with Europe of... of, of uh, the United Kingdom has, has been um, uh, very, very evident uh, uh, across, across history. I mean, if we think about who, who the great ally of the United Kingdom has been in the, in the 20th century, the standard response would be the United States. But anyone who knows uh, history in any detail um, uh, knows that it has to be France. Um, after all, the United Kingdom went into two world wars what became two world wars with France and uh, definitely not uh, with, the, uh, with, with, with the United States. Um, uh, I mean, British uh, troops uh, kind of lie fallen uh, in continental Europe much more than they do in the old, the old imperial uh, territories. Um, the British elite um, was very well integrated with, uh, with European uh, elites. British business uh, did more trade with, uh, with with the Europe uh, than it did with the uh, with the empire, um, so uh, the, the idea of a of a, um, of, of a of a profound disconnection is uh, is a, 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 a very particular one. It's an ideological idea. It's an idea that um, that was that was pushed by imperialists, um, and um, and more recently, I suppose, by a certain kind of kind of liberal. Um, but we have to remember that um, in the, uh, certainly by the 60s and, uh, uh, and 70s, the emphasis was on, on the need to, as it were, return to Europe, 
to, 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 to get rid of uh, imperial pretensions, uh, to reconnect with the, with, with the markets of, uh, of Europe. And of course, it was the great conservative party, the great imperialist party, that asked for accession to the EU, uh, or the EEC as it then was, in, uh, in 1961. It was very, uh, I mean, the, it was very early, wasn't it? And you know, we were in the UK was in EFTA, and all that trade was going on, and there was a lot of U.S. foreign investment in the UK, but it was as a route yeah. to access other European markets. Well, absolutely, and and we have to remember that this is uh, this is just uh, fifteen years after the end of the Second World War, uh, uh, and um, you know, much of the British Empire is still uh, still in existence. So it's. Um, it's 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 quite a quite extraordinary thesis to suggest that um, that the, the British imperialism and an overseas orientation is so deeply built in that it's impossible to to um, to, to have a kind of pro-European policy when precisely the people you'd expect to be resistant to it uh, um, uh, decide to change uh, British uh, uh, policy so radically in 1960. And we just take the story forward. The U the the, the UK did go into the EEC. And in 1975, a two-thirds majority of the, of the, of the British people voted to, to remain. Uh, so what we have to explain is why there's been this radical uh, sudden change in British attitudes to, um, to, the, to the EC and the EU, and why that has been accompanied by the invention of this history of uh, the UK being, being, uh, being exceptional. And it's I think curious, answer... isn't it? Because, I mean, in the end, you know, I remember in the late 1990s or just before uh, Tony Blair came in and John Major was struggling with the Eurosceptics, uh, bastards in his cabinet and, and so on. But they were very much fringe people. I was running the Europe program at Chatham House at the time and we'd have some of these Eurosceptic fringe people to, to our events. But they were very much a minority. The UK was terribly influential on the eastward enlargement of the EU and True, it didn't join the euro, but it was it was playing a very big big role. It was seen as one of the big three, along with France and Germany. Uh, influential, of course, going back a bit in in the creation of the single market. So so that period from then, the sort of twenty years, let's say from ninety six to twenty sixteen, what did happen? Well, exactly. Uh, back back then. Um, the, uh, the, the anti-market uh, uh, people were fringe, a right-wing fringe, I think it's important to insist, within the Conservative uh, Party, um, and also a fringe outside the, uh, the party. We had the, the, uh, the referendum party um, that stood in 1997, um, the beginnings of UKIP and, and, and all of this, but again, right-wing right -wing fringe uh, uh, organizations. Well, what, what changes? Um, I, um, I, I think, it's the um, partly the, the success of the of, of the Thatcherite program. Uh, I think a lot of these uh, these uh, um, uh, these Brexiters, as they as, as as they become, are fundamentally radical Thatcherites, and they didn't like some uh, aspects of the way that. Um, uh, British society was, uh, was, was developing. So although the economy was being liberalized, uh, in terms of the nature of society, it was going in ways they didn't like. Uh, uh, in particular, they, 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 they didn't like the uh, improving position of women in, 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 public, in public life and in, in private life too. They didn't like um, 
the increasing um, uh, place of, uh, of immigrants, particularly in, in London. They felt that their elite status or their potential elite status had been taken away uh, by, by foreigners, by, by, by women, by, by, by undesirables of one sort or, or, or another. So they, they radicalized themselves into a, uh, um, into, into, into very hard Thatcherites who see themselves as um, defending a, a, a particular kind of, uh, of, uh, of Britishness. And they, um, they, 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 they turn out to be, perhaps despite themselves, uh, political geniuses, as they are able to create a politics uh, effectively directed against the London elite, against a notion of, 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 of London as a, a multicultural um, uh, 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 cosmopolitan uh, centre into the politics of anti-Brussels. Uh, and yet it is uh, extraordinary, uh, isn't it, as well, looking from where we are today with the damage already to trade and the economy and also to, to political and security relations. So Thatcher was a, had an ideology, but it also did focus on the economy, whereas what we've got with the Brexiters, very successful politically, um, and, and, and they, you know, brought Boris Johnson or he brought himself on board, but it, it's very much identity elite, uh, this kind of fantasy vision of global Britain. It's not something, I mean, British business didn't stand against it very effectively, did it? But it's not something for obvious reasons that most British business welcomed. No, absolutely. And of course, the, the Tory party was indeed uh, the, the, the party of business and therefore the party of the uh, of the EEC and then the EU and of, and of course the party of the of the, of the single market. Uh, so I think we, we've 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 got to, to uh, recognize that effectively the Tory party has been taken over by by Brexiters and by opportunists who, who took advantage of the power of of, uh, of, of Brexit take power above all, of course, um, Boris, uh, Boris, Boris Johnson, um, and recognise too that there's been a transformation in the grassroots of the, of the Conservative uh, Party. I mean, it, it is a Brexit party, um, uh, and it, 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 and that means it's it's also a a, a, a radical right wing party, and I think we've got to think of um, the politics of Brexit in in the UK. Uh, um, in terms of the development of European politics. After all, we, we've seen the emergence of new hard rights you know, right across Europe. Um, and, and the UK is absolutely not being immune from that. The particular form it's, it's taken in the UK, that, that right politics, is, um, is, is, is a right politics, um, uh, uh, which is kind of sweetened, as it were, uh, uh, by, 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 by Brexit. Um, so it... it, it so I was going to say, and it is it is a, it is a, a, a politics that has left behind uh, the interests of British British business. I mean, it, it is profoundly it's a profoundly novel kind of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of of politics that that has really very little understanding of the realities of, of political economy. The, the one of the very remarkable things about Brexit is been that uh, that the Brexiters have never understood what they were doing. Uh, they they essentially wanted to um, to free the UK from the constraints of, 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 of membership, 
but just assumed that all the benefits of membership would continue because they, they were somehow uh, kind of inherent in, 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 in a commitment that the UK might make to being global, to being free trading. Um, it's curious. So it's, regard it? it's very yeah. curious because on the one hand, in a, in a sense, the, the logic, to the extent there was any logic in their position at all, always took you, I think, to a, a hard Brexit. In other words, a Brexit where you left the single market and customs no. union, because the idea that a Brexiter would support being a big rule taker, you know, it's hard enough for Norway in the single market with almost no say on the rules. And that there's people in Norway who will talk about the big democratic deficit they face. And, and yet it seems some of these people were so wrapped up in the ideology of it, they didn't think through the practical parts. And then as the practical bits became clearer in how damaging they were, it almost increased the, their zealotry. And, and also now to the extent that you see it in Boris Johnson trying to make sure we don't think of ourselves as European anymore, which I think means this project will stay extremely divisive, but just take the European health insurance card. It's now called the global health insurance card, but it actually only applies to EU countries, but it's got a nice big union jack on the card. You know, I, I got mine the same with stopping the, the Erasmus program. I mean, where, where do you think, and that obviously doesn't work here, you know, I'm in Edinburgh in Scotland, and people in Scotland still think of themselves on the whole very much as European. So if you've got a London-based Brexiter, as you're describing, far-right government that's trying to promote this alternative ideological identity, both for Britain and, and for people, and where is that going, that identity politics? Yes, I, 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 I agree that they are they are, they are zealots. And, um, and I think one of the most remarkable things is that um, they have essentially can failed uh, with Brexit um, uh, because they haven't been able to think it through. I mean, if, if they'd understood the, the logic you just set out, they would have prepared British business and, and, uh, uh, and, and, and the UK in, in general for uh, leaving the single market and the customs union. And they, they signally failed to do that. Um, partly is they didn't want to face up to the to the to the to the negative consequences, but um, more importantly, it, it's a just a profound lack of understanding. Uh, and I think we, we just have to to, to, to to say it that most of these Brexiters um, have been passed over even by conservative governments. We're talking about people that that were in very junior positions in, in the past, if in any position. Uh, uh, at, at all. They, they, they're people that did not make the cut in the older conservative administrations. Um, so, uh, I mean, it, 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 it is a very particular moment in British politics when, when, a, when a particular bunch of not very intelligent, but very hard right wing people have, have, uh, have, have, uh, have taken power. And yes, they, they, they do want to, to create a, a, a situation where um, the, the, the flag is wrapped up uh, around everything, and where the um, where any real connections to 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 to, to Europe are, are obscured. And I mean, a very good example of that is the um, is the vaccine uh, uh, issue. Um, the systematic claims that that Britain is being brilliant at uh, at, at vaccine um, development and, and and production and uh, and uh, deployment. Uh, they have not wanted to admit that probably over half the vaccine supplied to the United Kingdom has come um, from the EU. That's to say the yeah. entire success uh, 
uh, of the vacuum of the of the vaccine vaccine program is due to um, to 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 um, to imports from Europe. Of course, it's more complicated. Yeah. But we're still, and also we're still at a moment where British deaths per head of population are double that of Germany, and we're still in the middle of the pandemic. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's but deep, we're not a great British success story. It is not a success story by 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 any stretch of the imagination. And um, I, I, but uh, the, the 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 COVID case and the Brexit case are very are very similar. Uh, they illustrate that the. the the fundamental politics of this uh, this government, and that is a, the politics of systematic mendacity. Um, and I, I think it's just very important to 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 recognise that. And we are we are in a in a new political world. It, 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 it seems to me, and I think this helps explain why um, uh, you know, people have not mobilised uh, uh, in favour of Brexit. I mean, there is silence about Brexit. People aren't celebrating Brexit. People aren't celebrating um, our, our, our freedom. Um, uh, more than that, uh, in Wales, in Northern Ireland, in, in, in Scotland, there is ever more profound disgust at the, at the antics of the, of the Conservative Party and, uh, and, and the politics of London uh, more, more generally. So, in fact, the, the Brexiters had extraordinary success electorally. They've had extraordinary success with the media and indeed with the, with, with the BBC. But at the level of, um, of commitment by the people to a new project, I, I, I think uh, Brexit has been uh, an abysmal failure. Um, it's not there, I, is it? I, I mean, you've got, you know, as you just said, you know, when you look at the 2019 election, the Tories won a big majority, but the only one of the four nations of the UK they won a majority in is actually England. And then in Wales, you had Labour. In Scotland, you had the SNP. In Northern Ireland, you had its own mixture of parties and and so you you've got this big discussion about will the uk fragment will scotland go independent terrible situation already in in northern ireland but before we get onto that a little bit more where is the opposition because one of the big ironies i think of the last few years when i think about brexit is is first of all we didn't have labor representing the remain half of the population. We had Jeremy Corbyn, who was clearly, to my mind, a Eurosceptic. And now we have had a year of Keir Starmer, who seemed much more pro-European than Corbyn and probably was. And yet under him, Labour doesn't want to talk about Europe. It doesn't want to talk about Brexit. They said they were going to vote for the deal rather than no deal, but then critique it. But they're not critiquing it. This also puts them in a terribly difficult situation vis-a-vis Scotland, how can you try and persuade Scotland to stay in the UK if you're not offering to at least be very close to Europe, let alone back in? So for British politics, you can't escape talking about Europe. But maybe is Keir Starmer right to think that for English politics, he can escape talking about Europe? I, I, I don't think so. Uh, I, think, I think this is a, a measure of the profound political victory of the, of the, of the Conservatives. Um, that we had a situation before 2019 where the right of the Labour Party were attacking Corbyn for being a Eurosceptic, and that was one of the, the central charges. Um, uh, I think you know, Corbyn was was uh, was trying to get a, uh, a, a a deal with Theresa May, which certainly would have been much better than the deal we, we actually uh, got. Um, but today, we're in a position where. Um, 
in, in practice, uh, uh, Keir Starmer is, 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 is radically more Eurosceptic than, uh, than, uh, than Jeremy Corbyn was. Um, and that's because uh, I think Starmer and the Labour leadership have bought into a Tory narrative, uh, which is that, um, that the British working class is deeply conservative, uh, uh, hostile to, to, the, to the EU. Um, and that it, uh, uh, that, it, that, that Labour needs to, to, um, to, to above all, uh, recognise that, that political reality. Now, this has the extraordinary effect of uh, disenfranchising uh, most of the Labour vote, very largely a, a Remain vote. Um, certainly um, um, also uh, making it much more difficult for Labour to pick up votes in, in Scotland and in um, and in, and in Wales, so I think it's actually actually self, a self-defeating um, uh, uh, policy, uh, and and also one that um, that that um, will prevent Labour from capitalising on 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 the failure of Brexit within its own terms. Um, so, uh, so it's it's um, it, it it's really quite difficult to understand what's uh, what's what's going on. Uh, but I suppose fundamentally, it's a it's a profound loss of nerve, on, and also on, therefore on the part a, of Labour, and a profound continuing failure failure of UK or English politics. And I, I wonder, you know, with our crystal balls or your crystal ball, you know, where this might go next. I know I know you've kind of reflected in columns before now that that maybe if Scotland went independent, this might actually provoke and shake up England to out of this kind of global Britain and Brexit ideology. But, but are you a pessimist or an optimist about, you know, how does English politics recover or at least move on to something better again? Or are we in for decades of this? Well, I, I, I do agree that there is a profound crisis of, uh, of English politics and of the English state actually uh, in, in, in play here. And there's no better example than that, um, than, than what has happened um, with, uh, with Northern Ireland. Uh, uh, it, 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 a conservative government, a unionist government, has essentially uh, betrayed Northern Ireland unionists by, by putting a border down the Irish Sea and systematically uh, denying it. I mean, that is, that is an extraordinary state of affairs. Um, I can't imagine... Uh, uh, um, that this has ever happened before in, 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 uh, in, in British, uh, British politics. And it's in, inherently unstable and speaks to a lack of legitimacy, a lack of authority, uh, uh, a lack of ability to think through uh, uh, the, the, the implications. And the relative but lack I, of outcry when Johnson did that, you know, he came in, he took yes. over most of May's withdrawal agreement, but he put that extraordinary internal border, extraordinary under any circumstances, let alone if you're a global UK freedom party. And, and of course it got some comment, but given you know, a lot of what we're now seeing was predictable, it got rather, rather muted comment. Yes, I mean, not just predictable, but predicted repeatedly, uh, repeatedly so, um, but repeatedly silenced. Um, uh, uh, by the media, by 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 the, by the political system, uh, but I I am an optimist because um, I, I think it's imp very important to remember that it was only a tiny majority of people who were in favour of, uh, of Brexit, um, 
they were overwhelmingly old, overwhelmingly those that were no longer involved in the, in the economy. Um, uh, uh, people that, were in, in my view, were nostalgic for a more national Britain of the 1960s and 1970s. Um, and people who voted yes, actually, in 1975, switching to voting no in, 20, in 20, 2016. Um, uh, the Conservative Party, similarly, is a, is, a, is, a, is a party which gets its votes from the old. Uh, the old and often uh, well off, and it's important to insist on, on, on that. Uh, but the young are in a very different place. And the young are pro-European. Uh, the, 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 the young um, are much more cosmopolitan in, 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 in orientation. They don't give a fig ab about the, the Second World War and British delusions of, uh, of, of grandeur. Uh, so I, I think um, you know, time will, will just shift our, our politics. Um, uh, so, I, so I am optimistic. I'm also uh, optimistic in as much as I think um, uh, there's a good chance that uh, Scotland and Northern Ireland, perhaps even, even Wales, will want, to, will want to break away. And I think what, what um, the English state, if I can call it that, um, uh, needs is an overt uh, uh, um, uh, a crisis of authority to, to, to overtake it. Uh, and I think that would follow from uh, the breakup of the, of the United States. Um, England needs to liberate itself from the Anglo-UK state, just as much as Scotland and Northern Ireland and, and Wales do. Um, I think we need a, a, a new democratic uh, settlement. I think we need a new conception of Britain's place in the world. Uh, I think fundamentally we need a, a, a new sort of political class uh, uh, as well. And uh, to go back to the earlier point, the idea that the United Kingdom is kind of inherently um, conservative and, and backward is I, think, is, I think, deeply wrong. As, as we've seen, the politics of Scotland have transformed themselves in the last, uh, in the last 20 years in, uh, in, a, in, a, in an extraordinary way. Um, I, think, I think the same thing can, can, can happen in England. It's something that's, it's going to be very disruptive, isn't it? If we, if we do have a, an independence referendum in Scotland in the, in the coming two or three years, however many, and, and if it is a yes, although it will be strongly contested, uh, you, you can imagine that, that that independent Scotland will want to rejoin the EU, will be looking at borders between Scotland and England, at least you know, for, the, for the short term, and that profound shock, as you say, to, to people's conception, or at least the, some of the right and the old conception of Britain, even though England or England and Wales, or even England and Wales, Northern Ireland, though that may be unlikely if Scotland goes independent, um, but it's going to be a, a 60 million strong state, but it is going to have to conceive of itself very differently, and it will be conceived of by France or the US and so on as, as very differently. But it's, it's not just going to sort itself out in three or four or five years. So we are maybe entering a period inevitably, whichever way it goes, of turbulence. Oh, I, I, I think so. Um, uh, but uh, but I, I, alas, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's necessary um, because we've got ourselves into, into a completely untenable uh, position. Um, and the United Kingdom is... Uh, 
uh, over 60 million people, 66 million, 67 million people. Um, that's, a, that's a large country. But when we say it's the, it's the fifth largest economy in, in, in the world, we overestimate its, uh, it, its strength um, because it's not so different from the, 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 the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, the ninth, the, the tenth, and is very different from uh, the first and second and, and, and third. Um, uh, and, and of course, it's, it's very different in scale from the EU taken, taken together. So we need to think of the of the of the UK or indeed of of, uh, of an independent England as a um, as a large Canada and not as a small US. Uh, and I, I think once that realization sinks in, um, a lot of this ludicrous, damaging posturing uh, will will go. Um, uh, uh, I, I think as a, as a as a country will will be able to. Um, to, 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 to live not only better with other people, but better with, with ourselves, actually, because um, these delusions of, 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 of grandeur are not just about foreign policy. They're, they're about internal relations um, as, as, uh, uh, as, as well. Um, and, um, well, I, say, I, 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 I think... Um, I, I, I do agree with you that we're in for, for a period of turbulence, of trauma, of mendacity, of danger. Uh, but I think there's, there's, there's no avoiding it. And, 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 and I think there's reason to be optimistic about the final outcome. And I think I, think we, I agree with you, you know, on, on the Canada comparison, you know, Brexit has made the UK a large Canada on, on the edge of the EU. It's just not the ideology of Brexit. So we can certainly agree on that one. I think there we must leave it. And thank you so much for your time today, David. Thank you, Kirsty. That concludes this week's European Conversations podcast. I'm Kirsty Hughes, and I was in conversation with Professor David Edgerton.